0: Are you a woman who seems completely put together but doesn't actually feel that way? Meet Emily and Stassi, two Columbia-trained psychotherapists and self-identified people-pleasers in recovery who are reviewing their favorite books, self-help tips, and discussing their experiences of being and counseling women in the world. You'll gain a new perspective about how you're functioning and get practical steps to get out of your comfort zone to cultivate the life you really want to be living. Episode 2, Emily. Episode 2. How are you, Stassi? I'm so
1: good. And I like I'm like giddy with talking about this book. Um thank you for reading it and joining me on my like obsession with Dr. Libby Weaver. I like fucking love her. I can't even say enough.
0: Of course, it was like very helpful and insightful picking up this book and yeah I'm glad that we are doing it for podcast number two it's <laughs> dire information
1: <sighs> me too okay so as uh listeners have heard before we'd love to like introduce the book and talk about it so uh let me jump right into it so Dr. Libby Weaver is a biochemist based out of Australia when I first discovered her based off of a need, um, as therapists, our job is to like, when we don't understand something is to dig deeper and really fully understand what our clients are growing through so that we're ready and prepared for them. And so there was a lot of things that were showing up specifically in the physical health world that I didn't know what to do with. And their doctors were saying it was stress related and Mm -hmm. I wasn't educated or knew what to do. And so I started digging and uncovered Dr. Libby, who Focuses. She's a biochemist and talks about how the body chemically um, functions. But she focuses on emotional, physical, and uh, something. Oh man, something else about health. It might be food, but basically how our body reacts to food and emotions and what problems show up. And it answered. I'm not joking. All of my questions with clients I was dealing with, and I have goosebumped saying that because it was. I mean, I spent six hours one night from 8 p.m. when I got off work and just listened to her over and over and over again, answering and uncovering questions that my clients had. And I had that. I didn't know what to do or how to help them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's so true what they say that that mental health is it's biopsychosocial. It's all of the things, all the stimulus that we're interacting with all the time that impacts like how we feel. And so getting the perspective from a biochemist is really helpful in understanding mental health, right?
1: Um, And her goal is literally to change women's health. Like that she says, uh, women's health is a public health crisis that women are doing too much. And we need to be educated on our bodies so that we can one, sustain humanity because we're doing it physically. uh, And like once they're out, we're the mothers taking care of all the things and that we're damaging ourselves to a point where we can't come back from so on that note uh if anybody's been following me for a couple years on instagram they have heard her name they've heard her posts i share everything she ever does so let's nerd out about her together
0: yes okay tell us about this book that we have chosen for episode two
1: so she has 12 books published. She's fucking amazing. This one is called The Invisible Load. It came out last year. And one of the reasons I chose this one out of all her books is because it's really amazing at um, having digestible ways to understand the body and how it works. And she adds like huge journal prompts and things just like actually the good girl myth of how to unpack what's going on with you personally and how you can like decondition things. So Mm -hmm. the invisible load Uh, let me read her book about or her description about it so do you feel frequently overwhelmed it's common today to hear people talk about how how they feel overwhelmed there are also plenty who put on a brave face but behind closed doors it's a different story where is the stress coming from is it really our tasks duties and responsibilities or is it something deeper and why are stress levels continuing to rise? The answer is our invisible loads. Our invisible load is a stress we carry, which no one sees, that drives how we think and feel. From the physical load on our body to the emotional load on our mind, this invisible load is what really sits at the heart of our stress. And until we learn to unpack this, reducing our experience of stress will almost be impossible. In this carefully considered book, Dr. Libby Weaver helps us illuminate your invisible load to provide insight into what's driving the sense of overwhelm you feel in everyday tasks. Um, We're going to pause there.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, I'm sure like listeners can understand why this was our choice for this week. um, Unpacking like what, what is the invisible load? And I think she said it so beautifully in that summary and I'm just gonna read again from her book, what the invisible load is, right? So it's the weight that you carry that silently drives the stress that you feel. Okay. And Dr. Libby Weaver talks about it in her book as being body's reaction to stress. That doesn't always look like what we think it does because the stress has been silently kicking off for years. It's, it's cum- It has a cumulative impact on our bodies. Um, and it's not our obligations and responsibilities that are necessarily our stress, like they are there, they are things we do, but it's our thoughts about those things, um, in relation to yourself that cause the stress and it's our thoughts and how we respond to them that causes the stress.
1: Mm-hmm. So if we could think about our to-do list or all the tasks we have today, our listeners are having literally today while they're going on their walk, to- listening to us, um, it's the perception of your to-do list that is causing the stress, not the to-do list itself. The to-do list could go away and the world would still spin. Mm -hmm. Your walk doesn't have to happen today and the world would still spin and your body would function. It's our perception about the importance of the to-do list and the tasks to get done. And we're going to unpack what that means today and how we can kind of combat that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So our thoughts being like, one of the inputs of stimuli that cause stress, right? And and she does also identify some other um, stressors to our body as well, which has to do with like the way we fuel our body too. So she talks about sugar and alcohol and caffeine and the food that we eat and um, all of those other things as well. And how that combines with our thoughts about our responsibilities and all the things that we have to do to create an overwhelm in our body and our nervous system.
1: So I want to transition into hopefully having the listener understand why we're giving this to you. And this is ideally a gift to you to unpack your life a little bit, because we've discussed who we want to be listening to this, and this is the women we're wanting to hear. So if you're a woman who uh, really values your achievements at work, you want to be um, thought of as helpful, all reliant, always available, um, that you work 40 hours and when either your kids go to bed or you're eating dinner with your partner or you're out with your friends, that your email buzzes and you still go on. Slack is always with you at all times. Um, That let's say you're a mother and you decide you're gonna have uh, swim lessons. Uh, For me personally, it's baby classes and swim lessons I have going on with my baby. Um, But you add multiple things being like, what's the big deal, it'll be fun. <laughs> to making sure you eat right and working out. Mm-hmm. I have multiple clients who have had COVID and within the few days of having COVID, they're running they ni- they're they're um biking 90 minutes on their peloton, like and hurting their bodies who absolutely need rest and healing. And some women will go, oh my gosh, that's crazy. And someone will go, Yeah, of course. Like what why wouldn't we do that? I mean, I could go on about what else they could be doing, but it's the rigidity and, um, and time allotment for each task, that amount of, of stress uh, being put on you. And if this sounds like you, one, this book is for you, please keep listening. But we understand you because we're those women too and are actively trying to decondition our functioning because we've, we've grown up in a way that tells us we should be doing this
0: absolutely absolutely and especially like as the gender identity of women right women are like fo- forced into this role of being the rememberers being the caretakers being the people that keep the shit going that keep the list running in our heads like it's it's on us from a gendered like oppressive place but also like at some point we do it to ourselves too like that is our learned conditioning and it is our responsibility to unlearn it right
1: mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah i mean literally you saying that i have so many clients who just say well i'll, I'll just do it because i'm going to do it better and faster like i don't i'm not going to teach somebody else how to do this and we're going to like let's jump into why we shouldn't do that and we should teach people how to do stuff for us
0: right absolutely
1: <sighs> okay emily head into the body's load let's get into it
0: So um, again, going back to like all of the things that we put into our body and our minds impact this load, how we choose to fuel our bodies, our intake of caffeine, sugar, alcohol, right? The time that we spend on tasks, the people we care for, um, how we treat our physical body, how we interact, how our body interacts um, with our environment, how it impacts our sex hormones, our beliefs that we have, the guilt that we have, the obligations that we have, they all add to this invisible load that has a very real impact on our physiological body, our central nervous system, and eventually puts our body into a state of distress that we may not be able to come back from. So it's, it's, it's really important to, To look at this stuff and to also consider, and I think this is where we might jump into a history lesson of how we have evolved as a society very quickly in a very short period of time to take on a lot of extra stressors and responsibilities that on some level are made up, like their social conditioning, right? And historically throughout humanity, did we have all of these same stressors? No, right? So I think we need to look at a brief history of the rapid changes for our society, for women in particular, and technology, and how our brains and bodies might not be caught up to these changes, um, and how that disconnect is also causing a stress load. So would you like to give a brief history of the Changes for
1: us, 100%. So again, I've watched way too much Dr. Levy talks. Please go look at her; it's amazing. Um, and read multiple books. But what she talks about is the cave woman and the juggling woman. And so, if you can picture a caveman, a woman who uh, feeds her babies, hunts, uh, you know, gathers food, and stays around while other men have traditionally different tasks. It's fairly uh, simple and slow and the juggling woman of today um, and what we're doing today. So she does a beautiful job of looking at um, a 12 inch ruler. So if you can picture a 12 inch ruler mm-hmm. and picture that cave woman hunting and gathering and feeding her babies and sitting um, as nomads walking pretty slowly to um, ancient Egypt and starting um fun human inventions and art and all sorts of stuff to uh, ancient Greeks and creating the Olympics for fun uh, to the industrial revolution. And we're gonna fast forward to the 1960s where um, women got the invention of birth control and we could now do multiple things and delay having children. So that looked like uh, meeting and matching men in all different types of arenas showing we could do it just as good and juggling more at home and now in the workforce that had never happened before and so we not only took on our male counterparts roles we we kept our women's traditional jobs as well yeah. <sighs> In that, uh, if we can fast forward to uh the invention of cell phones and uh emails in our pockets and things starting to ding at us, our watches constantly vibrating, to uh Slack now showing up in our world all the time. Um the internet never goes away and is with us at all times. Picture again, I'm gonna circle back to that 12-inch ruler. From the time where we started being more active in terms of like ancient Egypt and society advancing to today where we have cell phones buzzing in our pockets, that 12 inch ruler of our 150,000 years of humanity
0: is a pinprick at the end. Right, right. So we have evolved so quickly in such a short period of time. That's really like one generation back, right? Birth control, the (laughs) 1960s. I don't know about you, but my parents were kiddos at that time. So one generation back, right? And now all this rapid onslaught of change, our body is responding with with stress because it hasn't adapted yet. We haven't gone through evolution enough for our you. body and brain to adapt <laughs> our bodies have never
1: adapted our nervous system has never adapted so we have cavemen technology and modern women problems and dr Libby says that all the time women have cavemen technology and modern women problems and our nervous system cannot keep up and so um it's impossible. I want to, I want to jump further than I can. So I pause myself because we're going to talk about that in a little bit later, but our brain and body don't communicate in a way that, that makes sense. So we have a logical brain who understands I'm talking to you through a computer lens right now. And I know what we're doing And our nervous system only knows I'm staring at Emily's face. It doesn't know how or why it just reads the chemicals involved. And so um, if we can go back to the modern women who, uh, you know, focuses on her eating, works out, checks her emails and does the things, we didn't, we weren't conditioned to jog until the 1970s. Before, running was literally made to run away from bears, saber-toothed tigers, um, another tribesman who was coming out with a spear to get away and create safety, and now we jog and run for exercise and fun but the chemicals being released tells our nervous system that we're in danger it has no way of understanding we're doing it for fun yeah yeah which is crazy to me Um, and incredible um to think about how how much we're communicating lack of safety in our world in so many different ways
0: I mean, the good news that comes out of the end of the jog is that it technically closes what we call the stress cycle and, you know, it might shift our body into a more relaxed state, but we can get back to that. Um, I think it would be helpful to talk about like, what, what are the hormonal kind of reactions that are happening with all of this onset of stress? What does that look like in the brain and body? So I'm going to break that down. So, um, this is a direct quote from Um, Dr. Libby's book, um, just this first sentence, which is stress hormones are not just randomly produced. Okay, they're not randomly produced. So what that looks like in the body again is the adrenals of the central um, nervous system receive messages from our internal cues and our external environments 24 seven to ask the question, am I safe? It starts in the brain and then connects to our nervous system and then our endocrine or hormonal system, which has a cascading impact on our mental and physical well-being. Stress hormones, though, are, are they're literally designed to save your life. Like you said, if there's a bear, this mechanism kicks into action and we're prompted to go into a survival response to fight, to flight, or freeze to maintain our safety.
1: Okay.
0: When they're chronic, when we're stressed every day by all the again, our perception to these responsibilities that we have, then the impact of the stress is constant and cumulative, which can lead to health dysfunction and disease. We're not made to be stressed at the level that we are as chronically as we are, okay? So the commuting, the working 40 hours a week, parenting expectations, hello, Instagram, hello, influencers. Checking emails after our kids go to sleep, waking up at 5am to check emails again, making sure you exercise, eat right, look great, be the best wife, friend, society member. Women are expected to do all of these roles all the time, to do them well, and to make them look easy. And as we've said before in our previous podcast, there's a lot of work behind making something look easy, right?
1: Uh Uh absolutely and so if we can just take an example of commuting which i don't do anymore luckily but the last time i did it was in 2020 and i lived in san francisco uh and i commuted an hour a day it was a that's a lie i commuted an hour and a half to three hours one way it depended san francisco traffic is so great um and that created so much stress in my body i could feel my nervous system my arms tingling my hands because I was going to be late to a meeting, um, a kid was going to be waiting for me uh, to see a session and I was frantically calling um, an office to get the kid not to come because I put in the things uh, early from the day before and it was three years of this constant stressor. So here's the thing. Yes, my body was doing that, but my perception of the stressor that the kid was waiting for me, my boss was gonna think I was flaky, um, the office was annoyed with me that they were gonna do this thing, let's pretend. um, And they never were, but I was worried about that. My perception of what people took as of of that is the actual uh, problem that created the stress, not the stressor itself, that I was stuck in stop traffic for an hour and a half to two hours um, that morning. Great
0: right absolutely
1: um and what that can create and and let's move through this is i i have a very long list of symptoms as can create or negative health outcomes that can happen due to the amount of stress we put in our bodies and we'll go further and further into why this is happening but i've had literally a client show up um with these things some of them have multiple versions of these health outcomes and some of them i've i've checked the box for all of these and this is a pared down list we shortened it for our listeners to not be overwhelmed and it's still too long it's just crazy
0: okay the symptoms just go on and on but please It just
1: goes on and on. And so chronic stress can turn into hypertension, uh, type 2 diabetes, increase in body fat um, that doesn't alter no matter how much you move, food intake, or anything, Um, irritable bowel syndrome, or other gut-based illnesses. I actually really want to hit that one in five women in the West, Australia, and the United States have irritable bowel syndrome it's super common and it's not normal. Our bodies shouldn't have that. Um, sleep problems, we can't fall asleep or we wake up frequently throughout the night and can't put ourselves back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Memory problems, extreme anxiety that can't we can't cope or can't manage, um, decrease sex drive, inflammation problems, Chronic infections, and that can be bladder infections or otherwise, um, sex hormone dysfunction, which can be irregular periods, PCOS, infertility problems, and more. Um, and then other endocrine problems that happen and uh, can show up even in um, thyroid problems or other other versions. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. I mean, this is why. <laughs> I'm so passionate about this because women were showing up with this list and I didn't know what to do.
0: Um, And I am a part of the solution. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this book empowers every person who reads it, every woman to be part of the solution for themselves, right? Like this chronic stress that we're experiencing, this daily activation of our nervous system our automatic nervous system that again was supposed to be few and far between is causing us to be sick like really really sick
1: really sick and some of these things are irreversible Mm -hmm. you know um anxiety we might be able to manage type 2 diabetes is really hard to come out of once you have it Mm
0: Absolutely. So we're going gonna- to helpful. Yeah. Sorry. I don't want to touch it. It's helpful to talk about like how this evolves as a stress response. And and, and yeah. I want to let you break down like the three I guess, stages of the stress response that Dr. Libby Weaver talks about. Yeah. And
1: so there's three stages. And what we're talking about is not a life cycle of one stress or event, but the stages of how your body responds over long-term that can turn into chronic stress um so the three stages of the stress response the first stage is the alarm phase and that's the normal um functioning and and what it was built to do oh my gosh there's something happening burst of adrenaline flight fight or freeze and coming down from that so that's the original pure version of the stress response Um, it quickly comes and it also comes down and so um, that can look like we're driving and someone walks in the sidewalk and we have to stop really quickly, um, a very big loud noise, and we jump, right? It, it's brief and it comes back down. The other way this can show up, which listeners aren't gonna love and I don't love to hear because I just did this, um, is adding caffeine. Caffeine has the exact same version. So if you have multiple cups of coffee, I do. Um, we're creating this over and over and over again, um, multiple times in the morning or throughout our day. Um, which means we might move into stage two, which is the high cortisol stage. So cortisol is made, and we've all heard that word. It's a negative word, but what it's actually supposed to do is down regulate, um, Mm -hmm. adrenaline. So it's actually supposed to be a solution to high adrenaline and help you come down from that base. It reduces inflammation. It does all sorts of beautiful things. Um, however. As you're creating multiple events in your day that are boosting adrenaline, whether that's literally having your watch buzzed to multiple emails, texts, Instagram notifications, that adrenaline keeps popping up over and over and over again. And cortisol continues to be released into the bloodstream to try to support down-regulating the adrenaline that is functioning in your body. Okay. So we most people live there and they don't actually know it. And there's actually a very... Uh, an, an emotional response. There, we're jittery. We uh, respond quickly to things. We might be snappy at our partner, and then uh, or yell at our children, and not know why, and feel guilty about it later, and go, "Oh my gosh, why am I doing that?" Most people live in stage two. Most women live in stage two, and never get out of it. They never down regulate, and they never. Uh, I don't want to say they don't move to stage three because it's just, it's uh, inevitable in the long run if we don't manage this. So, uh, and I also want to say, I taught a course on this in the fall and every woman heard this and thought, oh shit, I'm in stage three and actually made doctor's appointments. Multiple women in this course made doctor's appointments to double check um, because they were so scared about the thing I'm about to say next. So most women aren't there yet. You would know, and I'll tell you why you would know. However, this is where we move if we don't manage stress appropriately um, and continue to release cortisol into our bodies. We go into the inadequate cortisol phase, which are two different scenarios. One is that um, your body can't read the signals happening, the adrenaline signals or um, all the constant stimulus that's happening and your body shuts down because it's too tired to manage what's happening. And the other is it keeps responding and producing adrenaline and your body can't keep up with adrenaline production. And so you move really high into adrenaline production and cortisol can no longer be produced. And so you just have adrenaline existing in your body and you're shutting, your body shuts down in that version, which can lead, um, or is also called adrenal fatigue, which is an extreme version of extreme exhaustion, inability to function. I had a client who we actually talked about in our first podcast uh, who would do dishes and would have to lay down with two kids under two because she couldn't function. She was so exhausted, adrenal fatigue was so um, intense. She couldn't move through the day uh, fluidly or successfully because her body could not keep up with the amount of um, chemicals being released into her body. <laughs> yeah listeners you're probably not at stage three if you're functioning pretty normally throughout your day and I need people to hear that because this is a really big scary thing that I just said Mm -hmm. um and you would know you wouldn't be able to function
0: right well right and and just like as a note too you know we we mentioned all of those health problems that can be associated with stress there's adrenal fatigue but all of those other health problems like the sleep issues, the anxiety, the hypertension, the diabetes, like those also are related to, you know, when we're getting, moving through these stages, right? Um, yeah.
1: Which is caused by the inflammation from the too much cortisol. And, and it, it's our bodies, are uh, symphonies working together. If we have a symptom, it's not uh, I have, you know, neck pain. It's not just neck pain. I didn't sleep on it bad. Typically it, it's a symphony of our body communicating something needs to change.
0: Great. It's that brain body connection. And, and there's a really great book. The some, the title summarizes it, which is the body keeps the score, um, which is, you know, maybe another book that we review at some point, but it talks about how our, our body, you know, our body catalogs, all of it. it catalogs, all the stress, all the trauma that we've had and keeps the score.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And actually to transition, one of the, I I made us keep this quote in because I think it's so important. People feel like our body betrays them in all these different ways. I mean, um, I've had multiple things where I go, man, body, I just wish we were on the same team. Like, why am I having to like deal with this and help you out? But people feel like their bodies betray them. But the truth is that the body just responds to the information it's receiving we're providing that information. Again, our bodies can't logic through this. Our nervous system doesn't have a way. It just reads the chemicals it's releasing. So doing it all, our body can't sustain the amount of to-do lists that we have. And so what do we do about it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So stress, what does it come down to really, right? Um, it's a response. It's a response to what happens when we lack safety or perception that safety might be lost. Uh-huh. And when we talk about the way that we respond to all the stimuli that's out there, it's really helpful to understand like why, why we feel like we need to take on all of the things all the time and to do them well and to show up in this way. It comes down to how we're perceived. Um, which is actually really important to historic survival and attachment survival. So I'm gonna get a little bit um, into the idea of attachment theory here. So an infant's first, you know, um, first like big need is to attach to their caregivers, okay? Because unlike other species, Unlike other species, human infants cannot survive on their own. We need someone to love us (laughs) enough to like provide shelter and clothes and food and connection. Mm -hmm. Um, And so our primary goal as a small child, as an infant and toddler, is to attach to our caregivers. And so we will do anything to maintain that connection because from that perspective, attachment is survival, right? So... Um, whatever is important to our caregivers, we will pick up on over time, and we will become that thing essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, again, what what we perceive as important to our caregivers, we will try to take those those things on and and it becomes a part of our personality and how we function throughout the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. okay? So if it's important to our caregivers that we are responsible and giving, and look a certain way and engage in certain activities, like that messaging starts very early. That messaging starts in the womb, right? And, and and we're gonna do those things to maintain that connection for our ultimate survival. Now it also comes down to the fact that we're a tribal, we're historically a tribal species. And it's very important to be part of an in-group, to be in the group, to survive, right? Like if you were ostracized from your tribe or your community, historically, that's what that means. Likely death, right? Or harm, significant harm. So it's really important for us to connect with our caregivers, which again, are, are our earliest you know need but also with other people around us our communities our friends people we deem as important um because we literally attach that to survival
1: yep right absolutely and i mean i've had i had so many thoughts there um in terms of how that shows up but what that looks like in who you are today especially with the in-group thing if we can go back to again our podcast and build off of it last um last one which is break the good girl myth there's a lot of danger in deconditioning functioning because if we act the way we're supposed to we get to be a part of the group and for women if we set boundaries uh say no to tasks Mm -hmm. uh take space for ourselves add self-care don't do it all it's potentially very dangerous, specifically emotionally, less physically now, hopefully, I hope, Um, but uh, it can turn really, really negative really fast about if you're asking for your needs to be met um, in other ways. And so that in-group attachment is really sometimes very dangerous, and it keeps us in our place uh, the way society wants us to function.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Again, but you're saying like we have... um, cave cave woman technology with modern woman problems right
1: exactly and so if we can go back to the thing i referenced earlier which is the old brain and the new brain um the caveman technology is our old lizard brain it cannot understand anything except for the chemicals that are being provided and so truly when we produce adrenaline when we run for fun uh when we feel stress or wake up in the middle of the night and check our emails and have that boost um either of like blue light or the adrenaline that's attached to it the anxiety that we quickly release when we say oh there's no special emails i'm okay or there is either way um, the lizard brain only can read those. It cannot logic them. And so you, that's where you feel uncontrollable anxiety that you don't know how to manage or com- come down from um, mm-hmm. sleep problems for obvious reasons. But truly just that I- I've had clients come going, I just keep waking up in the middle of the night and I don't know why. And we have to talk about the lizard brain and it's functioning because it's trying to keep you safe. It thinks you're inherently unsafe from all the adrenaline events that you had throughout the day. And it mm-hmm. needs to wake up scan your environment and you say okay there's no tigers here let me go back to sleep i'm okay um and if that sounds like you that's because you're doing too much and your body your lizard brain doesn't know how to communicate except for to make sure that you're safe multiple times throughout the night and throughout the day because that's what you're telling them that's happening Mm -hmm. and then our new brain is all the ones that can logic that slack exists that our phones are buzzing um like the fact that your computer's buzzing right now Emily and we go oh yeah and we're going to keep talking we can understand that but our nervous system can't that buzz puts a jolt to say to pay attention and think through what just happened and why that notification is there absolutely
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so again just bringing it back to like we are socially conditioned to take on this onslaught of responsibilities and roles, and, and we perceive them as being so important as it's so important to our survival, to being part of the in group. Mm-hmm. Um, and that shows up in being the good girl, being the woman who's doing it all, taking taking on all of the responsibilities. Um and we're like we're scared for if we might let people down and then they might not like us, or they might think of us as bad or unlovable, which is like the worst thing, the biggest threat to our safety, right? And so one of the things that Dr. Libby Weaver um, puts in her book is um, this visual, right, of the words that come up that that we um, associate with being unlovable or um, that would make us feel really unsafe. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for me, I can think of the words like selfish. That would be one of the worst things, right. To to, to be perceived as, or irresponsible, ignorant, Mm -hmm. irrational, right. I don't want to be those things because what would that make me, right. Um, how would that feel really, really unsafe? wondering what your words might be saucy.
1: Yeah, it was actually hard for me to come up with them. So so Dr. Libby starts with forehead words. And what she's talking about is what do you want people to see you as? And so I had to go with like that that commuting example and being late for the meeting or having to call. What did I care about? Mm-hmm. And then what was the opposite of that? And so I want to be seen as reliable, responsible, perfect. I mean, we talked about this last podcast, but man, is that so important? And so being flawed and being late um, or letting people down mm-hmm. is is so overwhelming to me, and I work so hard to avoid any negative connotation with that. And so where it becomes unsafe is if people see me as irresponsible or not put together, Disorganized. Um, and then, you know, I started going into being that girl again. And and I would never, I would die if everyone thought I was ditzy or um, irrational, mm-hmm. hysterical. Um, and so bringing it back to Maho Malfino, like I love being logical. I love keeping my emotions at bay because those things are so dangerous. And it's negative to the biochemistry of our world. We should be able to cry to release these uh, toxins in our body. We need to be able to acknowledge that we're overwhelmed or stressed with the demands we have so we can acknowledge how to change and so our body can function in the way that it needs to. Um, and that is a really hard thing to overcome when we're working with social conditioning and wanting people to see us in a certain way. And specifically what you're hitting at, Emily, is if they don't see us in this, in this specific way, in my ideal desired self, responsible, perfect, reliable, caring, if they don't, if people don't see me that way, whether it's my husband to the school, I worked at the high school, the school attendance clerk who I was calling, if they don't see me that way, I might be excluded and I'm inherently unsafe. Right. And that's the key here is it creates the lack of safety um, and insecurity in our world that we we can't come back from our nervous system doesn't know how to do that so we'll do anything in our power to keep that image there including like lying let's say I was actually running late and instead it's like oh my gosh there's traffic right I'm so sorry because we're trying not to own the mistake because that will create um lack of love and connection and safety right right right
0: and one thing that you know I think is really important to consider is, is that always true and accurate? Right. So like we're, that's our perception based on this lizard brain. Right. But if we were to really ask ourselves, like if we were to set a boundary or to be late every once in a while or or something like that, um, that might rub up against this perfectionist, um, ideal or the self-sacrificing ideal or whatever, right? Like, would we inherently be unlovable? Or is that like we've taken ourselves from point A all the way, you know, to X, you know, we, we've we, that's we've made that leap in our mind. We're like, that might actually not actually be true in that interaction. And one helpful practical therapy tool to start to undo some of these thoughts and patterns that might be inaccurate or too much stretch, right, is um, cognitive behavioral therapy, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which can be really helpful in deconstructing our thoughts, taking a look at where we might be having some errors in our thinking, um, helping us select more helpful thoughts that, you know, then impact how we feel in a situation and, and what we choose to do. So, that we can actually be intentional about creating the life we want for ourselves. And in in part two of this podcast, there's going to be a part two. We're actually going to take this conversation a step further and really dive into CBT methods, cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT methods, um, to look at how to be selective with our thoughts um, so that we can hopefully help teach you how to empower yourself, you you know, you, yourself, ourselves to take control, um, in our own lives. So
1: and it's not just feeling better about ourselves. It will absolutely improve your self-worth. It will absolutely, uh, make you feel more confident in the world, but it's to the real value is to take away the perception, um, the lack of safety and being able to, change the chemistry in our body. When we go a spike of, they're going to hate me. They're going to be mad at me. What's going to happen. And all the adrenaline and cortisol that comes in and being able to quickly catch that. And, and there's different ways to do that. But one way is called thought stopping, going that's not a thing I need to think and changing the way in which we're emotionally processing stuff and creating, um, quite a negative experience that long-term changes all of our functioning in our body. This isn't just creating happiness and and cre- changing the way our brain works for uh, our own benefit. It's to create a full holistic health benefit that we're kind of unpacking today. Um, and I hope that this talk, because uh, we it's there's no way to cover this in an hour or even longer. Um, I hope this inspires people to grab the book, to grab multiple versions of her book. Rushing Woman's Syndrome is amazing. The Woman's Wellness, uh, oh my gosh, what's it called? It's one of my favorites. Um, uh, this one came out last year too. Women's Wellness Wisdom is really describing how how the body functions um, as a system, not only with stress, which is what we're hitting on really hard today and what the invisible load hits on, but the full body effect of how women's chemistry works. And I don't know enough about it for sure. And we're not taught about it. And so I hope this inspires listeners to go a step further in, in being curious and taking control of our worlds. And unconsciously functioning. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So we can become more conscious, right. And intentional and yes, yes. Take back control of our health, which is just the most important thing here. And just like big shout out to Dr. Libby Weaver, like for giving us this information, this language that was the missing link. Um, and you know, I think we'll probably post some more content, you know, from her onto our, um, Instagram page. Um, Maybe we can post one of her TED Talks because that's really awesome. And also shout out to our local bookstores. Um, I want to put a plug for my Providence listeners that um, Books on the Square in, in Wayland Square actually agreed to partner with us to um, provide some information about our podcast and to keep the books that we are talking about stocked as, as best they can on the shelves so that you can go there and yeah. pick up these books. So Books on the Square, um, right in Wayland Square in Providence, big shout out. Thank you so much. Um,
1: yeah. um, absolutely. Uh, there are so many local bookshops, honestly, that we can go through. Powell's is the biggest bookstore in the nation in Portland, but Please, listeners, you're. I know you're from all over. We have people who are international who are listening to this. You can, or you can go to your local bookstore and ask them to order it for you. So, uh, yes, there are very easy ways to get it, including digitally. And uh, we want to support not only the authors who are doing this, the amazing bookstores who uh, are getting this information out there. Um, we will never get Amazon to promote us, and we have lots of people in our community who are super. Uh, wonderful who want to support our new uh, found passion.
0: Yes. And thank you, Stassi. Um, it was really great going through this with you today. And, and thank you to all the listeners. We can't wait to come back um, and wrap up with a part two and really get into some CBT modalities for you. Yeah.
1: We've had great listeners. We've gotten tons of feedback personally with people running into us, calls, texts. Please put that on um, the podcast apps, you doing that spreads the word I think we're doing something really cool here. So please continue to spread it share it with your friends make comments post about it on Instagram, the more you share the more we get this out there and that's all of our goal is to give more education and wisdom to women and and humans uh, across Uh, the world. So I know that sounds really lofty, but I'm pretty excited about what we're doing. So thank you listeners for being here. Please write us a review and please share um, and comment if you want. Thanks.
0: Yeah, we'll talk to you next time.
1: See you next time.